This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Tyler Lessard. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Tyler, and this week's special guest. Welcome to the Content Pros Podcast. I am Randy Frisch, one of your co-hosts, and my other co-host, as always, is Tyler Lessard, joining me from Uberflip. And today, we're going to talk about an area that Tyler loves, we all love these days, to be honest. It's video. It's how do we use video? How do we leverage video? But not always those polished videos, but how do we even get video onto YouTube that people can consume and help build our own personal brands on a day-to-day basis? And you know, the person that we have, Tyler, you actually met this person at an event because we're in the middle of event season and you guys just hit it off, right? Yeah, so Salma and I met at the Inbound Conference in Boston and we were both there speaking on the topic of video and uh, we both had very consistent messages for the audience there, which we also heard from from HubSpot and others, which was this notion of thinking about a video first content strategy and how do we wrap our heads around that? You know, why is video such an important um, and compelling content medium these days? How are brands thinking about using it? How do we need to change our mentality to think like a media company to ensure that we aren't just, you know, doing video as a, as a nice to have after the fact, but thinking about how it plays a, a more prominent role in our strategies. So with that, um, I'm going to quickly introduce uh, Salma Jaffrey, video content strategist and speaker and, uh, and, and owner of Salma Jaffrey Media. Salma, maybe you could introduce yourself a little bit further and talk about kind of where you've come from and, and how you've gotten to this point and what you're doing with video. Hey, Tyler, that was a great intro. Hey, Tyler and Randy both. It's really great to be here on the podcast. So I'm a YouTube strategist, a YouTube video content strategist, and I'm also certified by YouTube. But my background is and has always been in content marketing. And so, uh, you know, I've carried over the basic principles of building a content strategy over to how to build a video content strategy. And so that's where I'm coming from. And, you know, a lot of us uh, still today associate you know, being a, a YouTube certified um, individual and this notion of really harnessing a video strategy is something that's that's really for consumer brands and, and larger brands or individual YouTubers who are trying to build a following as their primary business. Um, but I think, you know, all of us here know that, that YouTube, the social networks, and beyond that are becoming a core part to how all of us need to think about our marketing strategies, whether we're small or big, whether we're B2B or B2C. Um, so assuming you agree with that, um, Salma, would you mind just kind of talking about what what you've seen with respect to the evolution of how people are thinking about video as part of their strategy? Well, yeah. I mean, there are two parts that I want to discuss here, right? So the first one is that I think instead of being an afterthought that, oh, we'll also have like a video component to our content marketing, video needs to be the first thought. And that's essentially what I mean by a video first content strategy. So if you look back maybe six to 10 years from now, um, every content strategy started basically with a blog and it was always about, it always centered with, okay, we need fresh updated content. And the number one way 
to do that is with a consistently updated blog, and that is the center stone of our, uh, you know, uh, fresh content. And now, if you look at it, and what my philosophy is as well, that if you start with video first, if you start planning out a regular stream, a freshly updated stream of video content, or develop a video show that is regularly updated, then your entire content strategy can stem from there. And advantages of doing that, I'm sure we're going to get into that uh, further into this show. But the other thing that I wanted to stress is that YouTube actually has a stellar content strategy model, which I think that all other forms of content can borrow from. And that strategy essentially is a three-part strategy, which hinges on help, hub, and hero content. And I think it's uh, it, it's so applicable to anything. So help content basically is content that answers questions um, that your customers, your future clients, your audience might have. So as long as you are consistently answering your audience's questions, then you can develop help content. Hub content is regular programming. So if people are subscribed to your channel, they keep coming back for that. It's very TV-like. It's very, you know, TV serial-like. You keep coming back the same time, same show, same channel, and you know that it's going to be the same format but different topics and maybe different characters, but there is an element of familiarity and you keep coming back to watch your favorite shows. And hero content are basically standout pieces that you do. You could do them maybe just once a year, uh, depending on, you know, your budget and your resources, or you could do them more frequently. But essentially, hero content is stuff that has possibly the potential to go viral. It's the kind of stuff that uh, is going to go big and you push a lot of resources towards it. It could be a big collab with a, with a popular influencer. It could be an ad. You know, so I think that this model of uh, Help Hub and Hero is a great starting point for a content strategy. So I, I really like that, Salma. And you know, to be honest, I think that strategy could be applied, as you said, to content marketing as a whole, um, you know, beyond just video. And you know, I, I'm going to go a bit on the attack on you, Salma. It's nothing personal. I'm warning you that up front. It's funny, actually. You know, I, Tyler, I don't know if you've heard this. Sometimes I hear from people who listen to this podcast and they're like, you guys always agree with every, everything. You know, you guys are all on the same page and like, you know, really enjoy listening, but like a little bit of animosity sometimes would, would be enjoyable. So, you know, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, the two of you have, have a ton of experience in, in video marketing. Um, you know, I, I dabbled there, but, you know, by no means am I at your level. But I'm, I'm going to challenge this, you know, lead with video or video first mentality because I, and, and and then we'll get back to video but I, I want you know for those who are listening like me and are saying yeah you know like I, I th- think sometimes we should lead with video but are you taking the position Salma that we should always lead with video versus understand our audience and understand what content is going to resonate and what format's going to resonate with them and I, you know again like I, I know the goal is to educate people here but but how do you think about whether people sit down tomorrow and decide they're going to go video first. To your point earlier, forever we've just taken a blog first mentality, which isn't right either. Well, I think generalizations of any kind have the same problems. They're always too narrow-minded. And um, anytime you start with a generalization, you are bound to have these kind of uh, doubts crop up uh, because you're obviously not taking things in context. So when I say video 
First, it's obviously in the context of what are your goals? What are you trying to do? What kind of resources do you have? Who is your audience? Where are they at? And you know, another interesting aspect of this entire thing is that I'm a huge proponent of a term that I think I invented. It's called content upcycling. And essentially what upcycling is, it takes repurposing to a new level. Okay, and it essentially says that develop content based on a couple of criteria, which is based on your audience's preferred learning styles, based on what kind of stuff makes sense for your business to make. And it takes this concept that if you start with video, which is, um, let's face it, it's technically the most complex form of communication right now, and it integrates all other forms of communication inside it. So audio is a part of video. Text can be your, your entire transcription is the text part of your video. Then stills or thumbnail images or memes or GIFs or graphics can come from within your video. So it is the richest form uh, to start with. And if you do, and if it does make sense for your company to start with the video first strategy, then all other forms of content can either be derivatives of video or that you could take video as the inspiration to make further types of content. So of course, this is within the framework of what works for your business and not every type of video will work for every type of content and for every type of audience. But if you start to think about upcycled content and you're thinking about, okay, we need to be on these platforms and on these uh, formats. And if you've decided you want to be on text, you want to be on a podcast, you want to have audio and you want to have video, then start with video and all the rest of it can come from there. I, th- I I love that answer, and I know it was I was giving you a hard time there, you know, to to get something like that out, which I'm I'm really glad I did now because you know it's it's funny when when you think about it, a lot of the times when we think about achieving what you just described, which other people have called like the big rock content strategy, like Jason Miller does with his turkey analogy, if if people have seen that, mm-hmm. um, but it often starts with the idea of of building out an ebook. Um, and and then trying to you know slice that into webinars and and video assets and blog posts and as much as you said some of that you know that that video asset is so much production and so hard to put together it's actually debatable whether it's maybe a little easier to get it off the ground than that ebook which takes so much more design work and so much more you know you know, grammatical checking versus what we're, we've kind of accepted with the audio formats that, that we, you know, that we produce on a daily basis. And maybe you're, maybe you're onto something here, which is that this is actually a way to get the ball rolling even faster. But there's another aspect to this entire thing, right? And that is that if your eBooks are doing well, and that's what your audience wants from you, that's great. But what about if, you are not reaching another part of your audience that would have preferred learning through video. So that's what I mean when I say that you have to respect your audience's learning style and give them information in the format that they want and desire. And you also have to respect the platform and the algorithms of all the different platforms that are available to work within. So if you're making videos for YouTube, then of course that's not going to be 
the same kind of format or the same kind of audience as Facebook or for Instagram. So every platform deserves respect and every audience deserves respect. And that is really the center of this strategy. So let me uh, let me double down on that, Salma, and talk about the, the channels a little bit further, because I know one thing that you've talked about recently is how to scale your use of content like video, you know, on social networks. And and you, you, you nailed the point earlier that, you know, you've got channels like YouTube and you've got, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, and, and variety of different channels. And, you know, I think many of us appreciate that one type of content or one piece of content isn't necessarily going to work or resonate or, or be optimal on those different channels. Um, and, and one thing I know that you've been, you know, thinking about a lot is, is how do you, how do you scale that? How do you create and with the video lens, how do you create a video strategy or create video content that can be easily repurposed across channels? But repurposing doesn't mean just cutting it down and saying, okay, I'll show the first 10 seconds here and the first 30 seconds over here. Um, so I'm interested in your perspective on that because it's something we we struggle with here as a team of like, how do we create derivative assets efficiently um, that's going to work in an optimal way on those different networks? So I want you to imagine for a second um, the Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> so I hope That's I got that image one. in your yep, head now. <laughs> and, <this> is, <laughs> and of course, there's one ring to rule them all, right? And that one ring has ultimate power. But that is a myth when it comes to video, which is, and it's a very common myth in video. It's like one video to rule them all. So we're going to make this video. It's going to be a TV ad. Then it's going to be a YouTube video. Then it's going to be a Facebook video. Then it's going to be an Instagram video and a Pinterest video and a Snapchat video. And I want to break down that myth and talk about what you say, that how to actually make derivatives that are standalone pieces of content, as well as maybe derivatives or inspiration from your original piece. And the way really to think about it is uh, there are five key criteria. Essentially, let me see if I can remember all five in this in this in this podcast. So, the first one is uh, format. So, YouTube is horizontal, Instagram is square, and then if you're viewing for mobile only, then it's vertical video. Um, and then you know, so that's the first thing you have to think about: what format is my video going to be on, and whether that's adaptable to where I want to be. Another thing that you're going to be thinking about is the audience. So on YouTube, for example, your audience wants, in, they don't really care about you because they don't really know you yet. They haven't developed a relationship with you. And because YouTube is search centric, they have typically found you by searching for something they need help with. So I don't know how to install WordPress or how to do B2B marketing or whatever, right? So they come with a problem, they type that problem in and they want to watch a video, how to do SEO in 2017, right? So they're going to type that in and it's going to take you to, let's say, Whiteboard Friday and you're going to be watching Brand Fishkin's video on how to do SEO in 2017. And so that makes sense for YouTube. But if you put that same video up on Facebook, the audience wants, uh, first of all, if the, if the audio is not running immediately on Facebook, which I don't think they keep toggling with that. Um, but I think these days it's off. And then so you need to have um, shorter videos for attention span, um, for ADHD, and then you need to have some kind of subtitles if the audio is not running. So again, you know, a different a length of video, a different kind of style and different kind of content on that as well. 
Okay, so that's two down. And uh, okay, so the other kind of video that you can have, um, the other criteria, sorry. And I'm just gonna load up my presentation here to remember all five criterias here is that you have to choose your length. Okay, so for example, on um, YouTube, the maximum amount of time you can upload is 12 hours or 128 GB worth of content in one go. On Facebook, it's like 45 minutes worth of, and this is recorded video. So 45 minutes worth of recorded video. On Twitter, it's 60 seconds, and on Instagram, it's 60 seconds. So you know, so you have to consider how do you fit your story and your message into the time limit of what the algorithm or the platform allows, and then, how much time are actually people spending on that video? So the average for a YouTube, uh, you know, how much time people spend watching a YouTube video is about three to five minutes versus Facebook, which is about a, only one minute. And Instagram comes in at a, about 45 seconds. And then Twitter is even less than that, which is about 15 seconds. So, you know, all of that criteria comes into play. Then another factor is how are you going to add the CDA? So what kind of call to actions can you add in a Facebook video versus an Instagram video? So for Instagram, you know that you can only add the CTA as a link in the bio. You can't add it in the actual video, except if you are a verified account and you're doing an Instagram story, then you can add the link in the story. So there are all of these considerations to keep in mind. So Salma, before you get to the last one, I'm gonna throw our own CTA in here, right? And we're gonna also build suspense. It's gonna be like if you ever watch, you know, American Idol or something like that. Right after the commercial break, we'll be back with the fifth of Salma's top five ways to think about video right after this break. Hey everybody, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert reminding you that Content Pros is sponsored by Uberflip, a cloud-based platform that helps marketers like you create personalized content experiences to showcase the content you've created. You, not IT, you can create engaging content hubs that your audiences will love. I use it all the time. My team uses it all the time. With Uberflip, you'll deploy content faster, accelerate your lead gen, and enable your sales team with personalized content throughout the sales cycle. Go to uberflip.com pros, uberflip.com pros to find out how you can be a content pro by showing your company that the content experience matters. The show is also brought to you by my friends at Vidyard, the new generation video platform that helps you unlock the power of video today. Love, love, love Vidyard. Use it all the time. Super easy, interactive, personalized video experiences. You can boost your online conversion rates, track the true performance of your video content well beyond the view count. Visit vidyard.com today to see how you can use video to deliver better results across all of your marketing programs. Also wanted to let you know some super exciting news. We've just launched a brand new podcast, a companion to Content Pros. It's called Experience This, an unbelievable show all about customer experience and the brighter side of how companies interact with their customers. It's hosted by the amazing Dan Gingas and Joey Coleman. It's at experiencethisshow.com, experiencethisshow.com, or find it on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. You are going to love it. Each week has several different episodes, lots of multimedia, really interesting show. It is going to be a barn burner. If you like content pros, you're going to love Experience This. Give it a listen, won't you? Thanks as always for listening to Content Pros. Now, back to the show. 
And welcome back to Content Pros with Salma Jaffrey. We are uh, anxiously awaiting to hear the fifth and final criteria that you need to think about when designing your videos across different social networks. We've got format, we've got audience, we've got length, we've got the CTA. And Salma, I'm going to turn it back over to you for what we've all been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, number five. Okay, <laughs> number five after the suspense is how will you actually measure the results? So for example, um, video impressions, or will it be engagement, or will it be shareability? So for example, on Facebook, maybe share shareability would be your number one metric. Or on uh, YouTube, it could be engagement or watch time or audience retention. On Instagram, it could be impressions or clicks leading back to a longer video. So those are all the different ways that you could think about, um, you know, how can you take one video but then make standalone pieces dependent on these five criteria for different platforms, different networks, different audiences. That's a really great uh, I guess framework is, is probably the best way to put it is how I always think of things in terms of those top five. And I want to kind of come back now to the beginning of the podcast where you gave us another framework, which was the idea of help, hub, and hero. So maybe, you know, keeping some of these five keys in mind, maybe you can tell us about one of the clients that you've worked with who has created great help content, hub content, and hero content. Maybe even give us an example so we can piece this all together. And, and if it helps, you know, maybe even drop in some format, audience length, CTA, and results uh, outcomes there. Sure. So uh, one client that I worked with uh, was called Elance, uh, which is now, I think, uh, called Upwork. But when I worked with them, they were called Elance. And, um, you know, Elance is a directory that brings together freelancers and companies wanting to outsource uh, work, right? And so help content is like a very basic criteria. So training content, Q&A style, figuring out how the platform works, how payments are made, all of this is like video based. But then there's also hub content, which is, you know, content which revolves around uh, the freelance economy every week. Tune in. What's happening? What are the stats? Who's up? Who's down? What countries are hiring out the most? What professions are, uh, what skill levels are working the best? You know, so that's like regular hub content programming. And then hero content, which I love what they do, is that they run contests. And those contests are user-generated uh, videos whereby you participate as to how the freelance economy changed your life. And because it's user-generated, it gets a ton of shares and um, their prizes. And I remember one of the judges, in fact, was Tim Ferriss on one of the contests. So, you know, you have star power there as well. So that would be a good example. That's a, that's really interesting. And, and as I think about that, I suppose that, you know, the format or audience or length really varies on those different types of video content that people are going to tune in on a regular basis. I'm curious, um, you know, obviously they have to do a little bit of each to keep people hooked, but what did you find with them or what do you find across the board that, that gets the most interest? Is it the hero content and, and that's what people come for and then you hope they check that other stuff and maybe that hero stuff's just harder to do, which is why we can't do it every day? Yeah, I find that if you are just getting started with a strategy and you want to put something together right away, then uh, Hero would not be the way to go because it's the most resource intensive and time intensive. So uh, help content is probably the easiest because if you have current customers, then there is like a 100% chance that they have questions. And as long as you can answer those questions, 
on video and in other different types of formats and even pull together ebooks with like, you know, uh, an entire FAQ strategy together, then, um, you know, that really works. So I think help content is probably the easiest, fastest to get started with. On YouTube and other channels, consistency is rewarded. So if you can have a regular kind of show, which is hub content, that is rewarded in terms of if the any kind of social media platform rewards you for bringing um, an audience onto the platform. So as long as it, what it's called on YouTube, it's called session time, right? So as long as you are starting session times on YouTube, then it's going to view you as, yeah, these guys are good. I'm going to, I'm going to rank their video a little bit better, right? So they want you to come on their platform and spend as much time as possible. And that's where the concept of playlists comes in. And I know that Facebook has playlists as well, but the power of YouTube playlists is that people binge watch videos. And as long as they're binge watching, which means that they're racking up watch time on your videos, YouTube is happy. And when YouTube is happy, they're going to be ranking your video higher, which has a higher watch time than say somebody else's, which might have a lower watch time. So I think, yes, start with help, but definitely do hub as well. And when you possibly can get in on hero. It's, uh, I, I, I also love that, that framework. And, you know, the hub content is something that I find um, a lot, especially with video, that a lot of marketers um, aren't thinking about today, and particularly B2B marketers. And I like your notion of that kind of series-based content. You know, we had uh, Jay Akunzo on the show a couple months back, and we talked a lot about that notion of series-based content in B2B marketing and the value of being able to create something that's repeatable, um, something that establishes its own own kind of brand value behind it and also establishes an audience who is going to be kind of, you know, coming back to, you know, engage in that series or to your point, Salma, the opportunity to have people really binge because they know that there's a series of related content. Um, and just, we started doing this recently uh, within our marketing team. We, we launched our uh, Chalk Talks video series, which was similar to what you mentioned earlier of, uh, you know, Rand Fishkin's uh, Whiteboard Fridays and just doing it as sort of an educational series where we pump out a video every week. Um, and it actually doesn't take that much time to do. Uh, but what we found there is it's, you know, built up a really good audience on our own site, right? It's, it's, we also put them out on YouTube, but my big goal is using it for inbound. And we've developed a, a kind of a hub on our own site that's branded around the series. And it's done a really remarkable job of bringing people in and getting them to your point to spend a lot of time there and binge around on that content as educational information. So something that's interesting, and I'm, I'm not sure if you're seeing many other brands like that. In, in, and you, I know you yourself, you've got the Be The Media show. Um, which is a great example, again, I think, of series-based content, Salma. Yeah, I mean, a couple of other examples of brands I absolutely love who do this are, for example, uh, Jamie Oliver um, for food. So, I mean, it's really, really cool how he's on every medium with video, but a it, it could be the same spaghetti bolognese, but it's the entire recipe with character and it's it's an entire show just like you're watching TV uh, on YouTube, right? But on Facebook, it's like a quick recipe like BuzzFeed's Tasty. That's, that's you know, the kind of content that's up on Facebook. And so I, I really like what you said earlier about the fact that... Um, uh, it's it's series based and people can binge watch because the stats are showing that people are treating YouTube content as you would think that they watch it like on the go in the daytime. But the stats are showing that a lot of people are watching YouTube in place of TV at prime time. And that is it's so interesting to me 
Because once you start doing that, either through uh, Chromecasting or through smart TVs, when you start watching YouTube on TV and uh, it be, and it's serialized content and it's right there, you can, you can binge watch on that. That sort of changes the dynamic of how brands can think about um, putting together their own shows because people are going to sit back after a day of work and watch your show. And that is where the concept of having, um, you know, informative content mixed in with a little bit of entertainment value comes in as well. I think I think you're so right there, Sama. I mean, it, it's impacting every generation, but we're seeing it the most, or I'm seeing it the most. I bet you, Tyler, the same. I mean, my kids would much rather, you know, click on Netflix or YouTube. And sometimes I don't think that they see a difference between the two in terms of entertainment value, right? You know, like Netflix we say is disrupting, but I would say at the same time, YouTube has as much upside opportunity long-term to engage people and recommend that next piece of content in the same way. And I think, you know, like you said, Tyler, that's what we have to do as brands is we have to, we have to find ways to create content channels on our own site. And I, I love the chalk talks you guys are doing. I check them out. They're, they're so much fun. They're entertaining. And as soon as I'm done one, I want to watch another one. And that's, that's what we have to do as a brand. We have to think about that ability to create more of a journey and engaging experience. So, you know, Sama, let's, let's kind of take a step out of the world of video, but still stay in there and get to know you a little before we wrap this thing up. So, you know, I just, I just hit a bit on Netflix. And one of the things we always like to get to know our, our guests on is to get to know them by Netflix. You know, what, what, what are you watching on Netflix these days that's kind of got you hooked? <laughs> I'm not watching Netflix at all. <laughs> no, you're on YouTube, I guess. I, what a silly question after all that, right? Uh, what kind of, you know, other than more content per se, yeah. it's tied to, you know, your, your professional interests. What type of video content uh, other than Jamie Oliver and his cooking has YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> well, I love watching um, fashion content. So, you know, um, there, there's a channel I watch called Miss Louie. And uh, she does this this great roundup of she tries on all of these outfits and then she tells you that, okay, um, you know, how to put together an entire wardrobe with a minimalist uh, style. So you just need like four key pieces and like maybe two accessories and you can have a hundred looks. I'm like, okay, wow, because <laughs> I'm all about minimalism. So that's, that's one channel I really like. Nice, nice. Okay, so the other the other interesting thing I think about you is, you know, we, a lot of the times, you know, we think that everyone on this podcast, because in theory, we're all in the same room, which in reality, we're not, are all in the US or North America. You're actually, I believe, in, in Pakistan. Is that correct? Yes, Asia for the win. Okay, perfect. <laughs> So what's, what's your, you travel a lot. Do you get more excited when you head to Australia, I think is one of the places you go a lot or, or North America? I mean, like what's, what's your comfort zone? Well, to be honest, the furthest east I think I've traveled is uh, Singapore, Thailand. I haven't actually been to Australia yet, even though I have a few clients there, Uh, but it's next on the list. Uh, So east is absolutely more laid back. It's definitely more, um, you know, cultural. It's more laid back. It's more like, okay, everything goes. And I just have a ton of fun when I travel far east. Um, To the U.S. and Canada is very fast paced. It's very business. It's very networking. It's everybody is like all the time uh, work, work, work. But then I learn so much more 
and get so much more inspired from that side of the world. So I, I like to think it's a nice balance. Absolutely. Well, I, I think it comes back to the way you gave us those top five. I mean, the audiences you're dealing with on number two are so different one place versus the next. But, you know, I, I can't help, you know, bring in all of your frameworks as, as we talk now, even as we're trying to you know, disconnect from work. And I think that's why this has been such a great opportunity to sync with you, Salma. Um, you know, on behalf of Tyler and I, thanks for taking the time to connect with us. For those listening, thanks for taking the time to listen to Content Pros. This is part of the Convince and Convert Network of Podcasts. If you want to check out more of the content we've created, it's not on YouTube, unfortunately. we got to figure out how to get it there, I guess. But... Uh, it's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, wherever you want to find it. And the best place to see all the past episodes is at contentprospodcast.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, this is the Content Pros Podcast. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com. Convince and Convert.